Oh no. It's the American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Emmett McConnell, and I'm joined by recurring guest Eric Alcantor. Eric, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I missed you, Emmett. I missed the people, you know, I missed right. I missed doing this, but I, I missed you more than anything. Oh, it warms my heart. Uh, well, we're back with a Gold Cup preview, and of course we couldn't do this without our resident uh, Mexico and U.S. expert, Eric. It would just be shambolic if we'd had the two biggest countries represented. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say Mexico <laughs> and U.S. Uh, representative, because now everyone at work makes fun of me. For, for that, for like splitting it down the middle. They're like, you can't do that. And I said, well, I mean, I can and I do. Right. What's, you know, this is America. It's a mixing pot. It's the someone country of actually, Someone actually had the audacity to ask me, but what if Mexico and World Cup, uh, oh, Mexico and the U.S. met in the World Cup final? And I'm like, I'll tell you what, you call me the day that that happens and I'll let you know who I'm rooting for. Okay? Why, why couldn't they just say round of 16? How much easier would that have been? Because then I, because I'm assuming they were just they wanted the most important game in the history of the North American continent to be on the line, and I, I don't know, that's absurd to me. Here's what you'd get: you'd get, you'd be happy one way or another. Both teams got to the final, having never done so. Yeah, exactly. And I told them I was like, you know what? I, I guess you know, if I had to pick, I'm just like I'll pick Mexico. Like Mexico has a much longer history, and probably if we're going to the deserve it category, in which doesn't really exist in sports, but. I, you know, if you wanted to go that route, you would say Mexico probably deserves it a little more, given the you know the, the history of the sport there. But that's neither here nor there. That's never going to happen. It's a crazy hypothetical, and that's absurd. You know, in this show, we only deal with absolutes. We only deal with yeah. the facts. Here's yeah. some facts for you: Josue Coleman, uh, loan Who? from Orlando, former DP to Cerro Porteño. You'll have to check my pronunciation on that, Eric. I, uh, 100%. I, I think that since I left, you seem to have taken anyway, some Spanish DP lessons. At Orlando, never really got situated, but it's tough to blame him. You know he's young. And again, has anyone ever really had success in Orlando? Kaká. But was Kaká really that good? He was a big name. He wasn't a flop. He was injured a lot. But I, I say success in the sense that, like, he was the first designated player of this new team he brought a lot of attention with him. He wasn't a distraction. He, I know, I know, he was injured, but he didn't go the Frank Lampard route where he was literally injured the entire time he was there. He, you know, when he was on the field, he made a difference. I'd say, yeah. Who could, who will ever forget the first score in Orlando City history? The the free kick to tie the game against NYC. True. He definitely wasn't a failure, and by aging European standards, I would say, a rather successful DP. But I would argue Kyle Lahren's probably got to be up there as the most successful player Kyle in Lahren, Orlando history. Yeah, I had kind of forgotten about him, although, to be fair, I wouldn't blame most people for kind of no, forgetting could about him now. Anyone. He's had such an odd career in Turkey, and now he's gone, right? He's not in Turkey anymore, is he? Yeah, he's in some sort of limbo... Uh, we'll get to him later when we get to these Gold Cup previews. Let's get through these headlines now. Next one, U.S. Women's National Team, of course, in the World Cup. They scored 13 against Thailand. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just going to say that's as far as we'll go in this one. Everyone seems to have an opinion on this, and they all stink. Everyone's wrong. I haven't heard a single person who's right uh, when discussing this topic. Hang on, hang on. Well, then you clearly haven't heard me discuss this topic as I'm going to commandeer this two seconds of airtime to tell you that I am 100% okay with the U.S. scoring 13. They could have scored 20, and it wouldn't have bothered me one bit. 
I just think that if you're going to celebrate, maybe don't celebrate with some kind of, you know, pre-organized routine. That's disrespectful to me. I, that's the only part that I, that's the only thing I have a problem with is if you're going to, if you're going to dance around, you can dance around, but don't do the thing that you practice and you know, that you, you've, they've clearly choreographed. Don't do that at nine, nothing. Yeah. It makes sense for the first goal, potentially. Um, I, will, I don't want to get too far into it. Yeah, I, think I agree. That's the consensus we'll be for here most people. I think there's the other avenues of, oh, they did too many scoring. Oh, it's whatever they do is fine because it's this World Cup. And then you're kind of somewhere in the middle of the scoring's fine. Celebration is not. I will say if you wanted to kind of compare it to the men's game, international level, look no further than Spain, Tahiti, 2013, 11-0. Uh, I think it was eleven nothing, right? Uh, that sounds right. Get the producer on that. Uh, I don't remember it. You know, I don't have a photographic memory. If it was you do, ten nothing, apparently. Ten nothing, double digits. Uh, I'm not going to say what they did and if what they did was right, but just look back on that as a comparison if you need a historical uh, relevancy. Is the world word? Uh, moving on before I mess up any more words. Premier League schedule was released. Uh, take it easy, England. Season just ended. <laughs> give, give them some time. This We're sport, just getting these competitions. This sport never ends. And when you, if you ever get a job working, like with soccer, allow me to assure you, it is never more clear to you that this sport never ends than never. the day after the Champions League final. You're back at work working some other international tournament. Yeah, there's really not uh, a downtime. We have the international tournaments. I mean, this is the one time where American soccer is almost in the forefront. Uh, Western Hemisphere America, North and South, got the Gold Cup, Copa America, and of course the women's national team being the favorites in France, or at least one of them. Uh, speaking of, Gold Cup starts on Saturday. Canada versus Martinique and Cuba versus Mexico in Pasadena. Uh, it seems, what is it? So every uh, host, so to speak, in their group gets to host the first game in their home country. So Jamaica, Honduras, the two in Group C get to play in Kingston. I guess Jamaica's the host. Yeah, Jamaica got to host. I don't I don't know if there was like a specific reason why uh, Jamaica got to host instead of Honduras because Honduras is the uh, quote-unquote pot one team. Right. I don't, I don't know if there was a specific reason, but yeah. Uh, group B, Costa Rica. First round played in Costa Rica's Nacional Stadium. Uh, USA, USA in Group D, obviously, uh, the hosts in general. First round in St. Paul. Uh, but... Anyway, interestingly enough, Mexico-Canada, first round to be played in Pasadena, USA. <laughs> Mexico seems to love that home field advantage in California, don't they? Well, the Rose Bowl is one of Mexico's uh, secondary homes, you could say, outside of the Azteca. I will say that I am more interested in the game beforehand, not because I think it's going to be more competitive. I don't. If Canada can't beat Martinique, then their progress has been stunted greatly. But I'm interested to see what kind of audience. I know the audience is – I know it's going to be a sold-out house against Cuba. I have no doubt in my mind for Mexico-Cuba, but I am very interested to see at 7.30 Eastern how big of a crowd there is for Canada-Martinique. So last time there was a Gold Cup, I did get to attend and cover a game at Red Bull Stadium. The first game was uh, Canada versus French Guiana. <laughs> uh, I believe Solomon Kalou played. Was it Solomon Kalou? Uh, uh, so, yeah. Was that the game he played or was it the game? Because he didn't play in the first one, right? And then in the second one, he, they just decided to say, yeah, we'll, we'll do whatever. We're anyway, gonna... they got blown out like 8 nothing 
uh, Alfonso Davies scored four goals on his way to winning the Golden Boot because of that game. Well, like, I, I'm assuming Alex hate, Morgan will. I, well, I hate to I hate to sidetrack us this much, but didn't they disqualified them? Well, not disqualified them, but they basically forfeited because he played right, which meant the scoreline yeah. meant nothing because the forfeit became a three nothing automatically. It didn't matter how many times Correct. Canada scored. That I remember that it caused a big stink because people were like, "Well, that changes everything because Canada ha- was stuck with three nothing." Yeah, and it was just like, he was just like, oh, I came here, I want to play, so I'm going to do that, even though he was already registered for France. So, uh, of course, um, with that in mind, the second game was, I believe, Costa Rica versus Honduras, and it was a packed house for that. The Canada game versus French Guiana was not. It was probably a quarter full, uh, and it was all just, uh, you know, a couple Canadians and then... Uh, seemed like there was other Honduras fans trying to get in early to watch warm-ups, not realizing that these were two different teams playing. So <laughs> I would expect something like that to be yeah, happening. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm just you know morbidly curious, I guess, more than anything else. I'm with you. Uh, it will be interesting because it will they'll be packed for Mexico, uh, and it'll be essentially a home game. Copa America starts tomorrow with Brazil, the host, taking on lowly Bolivia. The killer bees. What a way to build Brazilian confidence before the tournament starts. Uh, for the home country. I say that because I'm assuming Brazil is going to crush them. Uh, but we will see. Uh, the two guests are Japan and Qatar. Japan. The Asian champion Qatar. Asian champion Qatar. Japan often takes part, but Qatar, let's be honest, it's much closer to Africa than it is to South America. <laughs> really? Yeah. So that's an interesting one i believe they got invited to next year's too because the u.s and mexico have once again turned their noses up at the idea of competing in a copa america this time with no valid excuse i'd I'd add right so if you're listening they could not do it this year because they are obligated to compete in the gold cup as Concacaf nations well well, let me uh, they could have they could have they chose not to they could have sent a b team they They chose not to but that's fine i can live with that south america but you know we get crushed with the b team what does it mean i don't know and last bit, the MLS has hit a halfway point in the season for this Gold Cup break. And what do you know? The Union are still in first. <laughs> I can't believe this. I This this may be the most quiet first place team I've ever seen. It's uh, you as an avid Marvel fan. I feel like this is kind of like going up to Doctor Strange and it's like, how many like how many timelines do you look into? Oh, 46 million and three. How many did the union end in first in first place? One. Well, is uh, this that timeline? Uh, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole with uh, Avengers spoilers, but I'll just say that the only way we're getting that scenario is if they can maybe resurrect the ghosts of Christmas past, maybe get Prime. Uh, oh man, I already forget the greatest player in Union history. CJ Sapong. No, not CJ Sapong. I, I don't. I, we'll waste too much time here. So I'll just say that unless the Union plan on bringing back their greatest players of all time to strengthen their squad this summer, I'm going to go ahead and say that this probably isn't going to last. But I do think they'll be in the playoffs, and I do think that they'll probably host the playoff game this time. Uh, we saw last season they kind of fell apart at the end when they had a real shot at hosting a playoff game. So I, I, that could be the difference between them making an actual run in the playoffs because this is the thing. I think this squad's actually pretty well put together in one-off scenarios, which is what they're going to have to do come playoff time. Right. Anyway, it's a fun little thing. Uh, Atlanta could pass them if they went out. 
Uh, and Atlanta probably will pass them at some point, but you know, it's fun right. to dream. It's fun. Uh, you know, when Chicago was in third two years ago, it was fun to see that. Uh, and other news, the MLS Players Association released the wages for 2019, and Chicago's wage is massive. They were like third last year. They With Nico Gaetan adding another $2 million to that, it must have gone up. But that's just a side note. Um, Eastern Conference, no clear leaders. Uh, we have some other things to get into. Gold Cup. First, I've done a little digging. And before we get into the preview, I want to just... There are some fun names that I found from teams. You go through Wikipedia, you look at team squads, and you look at what club they play for. In Trinidad and Tobago, there's a team called Defense Force. Imagine breaking that, that team down. <laughs> Imagine breaking <laughs> Absolute down the Absolute unit force. of a defense. God, uh, other ones. Club Always Ready. A Nicaraguan player. It's a club in Bolivia. Plays for Club Always Ready. I mean, I think it speaks for itself. I can just move past that. Uh, Another one. Charlton Vincento on Curacao. Curacao's got a lot of good ones. Plays for Kozakin Boys. Any club that ends with boys, young boys, Kozakin Boys. It's got a (laughs) special place in my heart. Yes, yes, I, I like I liked where this is going. And the last one, and perhaps my favorite, also from Curaçao, Rooms Catholique Sport Veringing Scher- Scherpenhuvel. You, you see, now, I, I'm really glad that you're the one tackling these things now because, I mean, I, you see how I always had to make a fool of myself? I don't feel like a for fool. Am sake, I supposed to? For the sake of the show, I guess maybe not. Maybe it's maybe. for you're taking you're taking one for the team. I appreciate that. I want to throw one in that yeah, I have run into in. in the past, but they're not in the Gold Cup. Uh, frankly, I'm not sure Belize has ever been in the Gold Cup, and if they had, I don't know what the he- what they do down there in Belize because you never hear about them. Even El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua, the three teams that I would say are probably below the Costa Rica and the Panama and Honduras standard down there. You, it, they still you still hear about them, right? I don't know that I have ever heard anything about the national team of Belize. Anyway, my point here is that there is a team down there called Police United. Ah, uh, of course, love a good police run team. So that's it's a. I just I had to throw that one in there. Like I said, not in the Gold Cup, so not part of the category. But I felt obligated to point them out. That's a good one. I do want to point out Belize. Apparently, fantastic beaches, nice vacation spot, and they've been to one Gold Cup before, 2013, in the group stage. That wasn't that long ago. I'm surprised I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know what. I, I wish maybe someone could shed some light because I, I understand it's a smaller like chunk of land, so I assume the population is lower, but uh, it doesn't stop a lot of other countries in this region from competing. It's bigger than a lot of the islands. Listen, we could do a whole series of podcasts <laughs> on the infrastructure of Central American countries and how that leads to their national teams competing at the international level. Uh, but I will tell you... We can... In this, the Grant Wall piece <laughs> that he did on Guatemala and Honduras, that was really good. Read that. Yeah, we could do that, but we're not Grant Wall. Uh, they did lose all three games in that group stage. They scored one and conceded 11. So that's Belize's international tournament uh, experience. They have uh, two players, I mean, if we're going to go more into it, who play in the United States, one for Georgia Revolution FC in the <laughs> NPSL, and one for Rio Grande Valley FC Toros. All right. Well, a heck of a squad they're building there. Maybe so in 10 ex- years. 
Expect big things for them in the Gold Cup in the future. But now into the preview. Group A, leading it off, Mexico, Canada, Martinique, Cuba. Uh, as we mentioned, those games be played in the U.S. completely. Let's start with Mexico as the favorites of the group and probably the Cup in general. Despite the fact, no Carlos Vela, no Little P, no Hector Herrera. You left out uh, Tecatito, the, the, the little oh. beer. Uh, yeah, there's more Layun, no, uh, well, no Lozano. I, no Chucky. I, the point that I'm going to make is that you could probably make a pretty solid Mexico starting 11 of players that aren't here. And that's kind of interesting when you consider how good they've been under Tata Martino. I've been uh, very happy with the way he's got the squad going because, and as I said, it's part of the reason I wanted him for the U.S. It's because this guy, he's, all, he's not about his system. His system is, I'm going to do what I can with what I have. No shots at any other coaches currently coaching national teams for the first time, but just going to throw that out there that sometimes that's the best policy and just think he's doing – Tata Martino's working wonders with a lot of fringe, you know, inexperienced players at the national team level. And Mexico comes into this tournament very hot. They're scoring a lot of goals. I think they scored in their last three games more goals than they scored like in the last year combined so you know it's just wild now some of that's different philosophy Tata Martino of course his teams will get at you they're going to possess the ball and they're going to get forward they're going to make you know dashing runs uh, Juan Carlos Osorio's Mexico they're very pragmatic very much wait your turn wait for the opportunity to hit on the counter so the, some of that's some of that's you know a little uh, subjective when it comes to when you look at you know scoring records but my point is to say that I like the way Mexico comes into this tournament, and they might be the only team in the entire region that comes in with any kind of like positive momentum. It feels like everyone else is just kind of stumbling in here. To a certain extent, I mean, there's only, what, like maybe four teams who could have any positive momentum coming in. Like we said, Guyana's not going to come in with any positive momentum. <laughs> even, if, even if they can beat, you know, Turks and Caicos 8 nothing, that doesn't mean anything. That's a bunch of, you know men's league players i do want to point out mexico hasn't exactly been playing poor opposition in their last four games they've won right. in 2019 ecuador venezuela paraguay chile uh all of them they scored at least three goals a venezuela team that just got done housing the u.s by the way so that's a 3-1 scoreline to mexico we're gonna say mexico is gonna beat the u.s 6-1 at least i mean listen i'll tell you what the U- I, we're going to get into the U.S., and we'll have plenty to say then. But I'm just going to throw this out there. The U.S. wants to play like that against Mexico. It's going to get ugly, and it's going to be very ugly. And I promise you, Mexico will celebrate every single goal. <laughs> it's 13, and Mexico's celebrating. We'll see people. Let's see if people have uh, their back then. For the record, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty big rivalry. I don't think USA and Thailand, I don't think there's any animosity there. I think actually the U.S., People in general teams seem to like Thai food in general in yeah, the country. Uh, so. Thai food's disgusting, but uh, you uh, hot, hot take there. I'll 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 end on this for Mexico because I know we need to get to the other teams in this group. But you know you've laid out some things like who's going to be playing in the back. Hector Moreno's going to miss this tournament for injury now after what he suffered against uh, uh, Ecuador. So that's that's important, obviously, because he's uh, that leaves kind of Nestor Araujo and Carlos Salcedo playing in the back. I would think uh, as the center backs, uh, the fullbacks, Mexico with Layun gone, they've not exactly done a great job in this generation of kind of putting these fullbacks. They've uh, they've had to use a lot of players either out of position or playing them on a side that they're not used to playing. So we'll see kind of how the fullbacks work out. But uh, as for other key pieces, 
you're going to see Guardado on the field again. I don't know. I'd like to see how many gold cups he's played, and I'll have to look. But so, it, he's been in a lot. He'll probably be the captain. He uh, will be, yeah. 155 caps for El Guardado, the custodian. I believe that's the translation. The janitor. Uh, so, but the team, you know, not that many big names. Obviously, Memo Ochoa in goal, over 100 caps, is a legend with the national team. Always seems to show up at that level. When he's uh, wearing green, he's one of the best goalies in the world. What about the alternate color, black? Uh, when he's or when white. he's when he's got the Mexico crest on his shirt, he's there he's a go. very he's a very good player. When for some reason he takes that off and he becomes very mediocre, I have to say, like not not the biggest Ochoa right. fan for that reason. It's an interesting development. They do still have Raúl Jiménez, who of course had a fantastic year in England with Wolverhampton. Uh, so yeah, the, you have a piece that can kill you in with just from just about anywhere with Jiménez. So Mexico, they could throw out. Their U sixteen team. If Raúl Jiménez was up there, I'd be afraid of them. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a. They call him the Lone Wolf now. Yeah, he plays, he for, plays wolves. for wolves. Yeah, uh, well, people he, yeah. people really like that kind of stuff. I don't, that's they they love to like make puns out of people's names like that. He well, does blame. tend to play in a two or three striker system with wolves. So just gonna, you know, Boop. put a little hole in that uh, pun. But moving on. Yeah, but Canada. no, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, whoa. But it's not. Okay. Okay. Lone, reel it back. I've got to reel it back because the lone wolf is the leader of the pack, though. So lone wolf is actually, I don't know why they call him the lone wolf. but A lone, lone wolf, wolf is, like a, is like a one wolf pack. It's a no, wolf without a pack. No, it's a wolf. That, it's the leader of the pack is the lone wolf. Okay, well, we could we could debate <laughs> American idioms for you. For, but you're not right on this. <laughs> no, I absolutely <laughs> I mean, am. What? No, what is like the saying like the the lone wolf starves while the pack survives? I Oh my goodness. The lone wolf dies but the pack survives. Uh for those of you not in the know, Game of Thrones uh I believe that's what was said. <laughs> Hang on a second, can we talk? <laughs> Don't go there either. Be careful. I, be- we'll- <laughs> I believe Sansa says that to Arya at some point. I'm sure there's other times in the show that I'm missing. Definitely in the book. I remember reading that. So, No one read that. Nobody. George, uh, great guy. Alumni, of course, of the greatest school in the world, Medill. But we cannot keep talking about uh, what a lone wolf means. This is uh, America. And in America, we don't have a lot of respect for Canada, who's the next team we're going to look at. But I honestly have a lot of respect for this Canadian team. Outside of defense... Maybe one of the best top six, front six, you know, midfield and attack in the uh, in the Gold Cup. You know, call that a hot take, but Scott Arfield was fantastic last time. You know, he's played in Rangers, played in England uh, with Burnley. Mark Anthony Kay, fantastic for LAFC. Jonathan Osorio, proven at Toronto. Uh, I actually think Sam Piet deserves a chance to play at defensive mid, given how poor this defense is in general. Keep going. Junior Hoylet at the wing, you know, of Cardiff City. Yeah, they got relegated, but still, what <laughs> Americans playing in the Premier League right now? Kyle Lahren, Alfonso Davies, and even Pulisic? Lucas Cavallini rotating. Who? Just... Yep. No, that's right. No, you're right. Yeah, Pulisic just... is just made the move. Yeah, okay. Uh, but Lahren and Lucas Cavallini, would it be a hot take to be saying that they're better than the U.S. forwards right now? Well, I haven't seen Laren play in a while, but seeing as the U.S. forwards consist of Josie Altidore and Jassy Zardis, yeah, 
I'd say that that's probably not the craziest thing in the world to say that it's very possible. It's possible, right? We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Laren hasn't been great with the national team in the past, but his talent and physical ability is undeniable. He looks like a young Josie at times. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know what you th- – you know, there's other guys, Jonathan David, Liam Millar up top. Uh, pretty impressive resumes for young guys. Might see them get rotated in. Uh, but I think that front six that I mentioned will get the, you know, the preponderance of the time. This is this is their chance, I'd say, for Canada. I this isn't their tournament. I will say I don't think so. What I, what I'm getting at is I don't think this is the time where I'm going to sit here and say that they're the the dark horse. I hope we can agree on this idiom, uh, right? I, I'm not going to put Canada in that category, but I do think this is a chance for them to test their waters against real competition. I'm looking back at their uh, fixtures in the last uh, few matches. Yeah, so they've beaten Trinidad in uh, CONCACAF powerhouse Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, not easy. In the not U.S., easy. in hostile territory. It was a home game for Trinidad played in the U.S., so I don't know I don't know what happened there. They got a 4-1 win over French Guiana in Vancouver. They had a 1-0 win over St. Kitts and Nevis, 5-0 over Dominica, 8-0 over the U.S. Virgin Islands. I'll stop there, but you see where I'm getting at is that I, it, this doesn't really – there's no, nobody there stood out to me. I know I'm making fun of Trinidad and Tobago, but it, it, nothing there really tells me what I should expect from this side. It, they can destroy small island countries. I guess that's a good sign, right? That's usually a sign of a team moving into the middle tier. Canada for a long time has sort of been in the bottom feeding tier until this recent generation. Uh, ever since their last accomplishment at the uh, winning the Gold Cup early in the 2000s. I mean, their you know nat- worldwide ranking is abysmal, always has been, and it's part in part due to these results. I mean, if you don't win a game against St. Kitts and Nevis, one nothing, honestly, not you would too think, impressive. You would think that they could do better, but so like I said, I I want to see Canada play against these bigger teams because I don't think that it's going to be the big uh, the big results that maybe some fans have been hoping for because I know during the last World Cup qualifying cycle, some people thought that this would be the time Canada would finally get to the hex and be able to, to test the waters there. They didn't get they didn't get to the hex. So and since then, I can't I don't know that they've played too many high ranking oppositions. So I, like I said, I mean they're they're in a group with Martinique and Cuba. They have to get six points against Martinique and Cuba. If they can do that, then they they. They make the game against Mexico irrelevant. That's what they have to do. They right. cannot go. They cannot need points against Mexico because Mexico is on another level of Canada. I and do want to point out that St. Kitts and Nevis has in their league. They have a team called the Village Superstars, <laughs> which has about six people on uh, on That's the national amazing. team. There's another one, Garden Hotspurs. It, their crest looks like. If you took the Spurs crest, replaced it with a ball that's on fire, that also had roots growing out of the bottom of it. So you know we're always in for an obscure team, but they this is their chance. I mean, honestly, okay, Martinique, Cuba, higher competition than they've played in the past. But if they if if they can hold their own against Mexico, that for me is saying okay, they're making the next step. Yeah. Yeah, I, I look. I, I look, this, they're not so far. This isn't like like Cuba. I say has no shot at beating Mexico, right? Martinique, no shot at beating Mexico. Canada, could they? 
it's possible, but again, they're going to be playing in a hostile environment because wherever Mexico goes, it's going to be a home game for them. So they're going to be playing in a you know in a tournament format, which Canada has not done well in recently. And like I said, to me, their 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 job should be get six points out of Martinique and Cuba, and everything else, you know, whatever happens against Mexico happens. Yeah, uh, true. You know, you go in as heavily heavy underdogs in that game, and you take what you can get. Um. But you gotta, you, yeah, you gotta get six points. You got this is your chance to finally say, okay, this is our generation. We want to be up there with, you know, we want to be at least the third best team in this horrible confederation. Uh, so I do expect that that game will be against Mexico at Mile High. Um, in terms of like location, not the best maybe for Mexican fans, uh, but probably also the closest to a, to playing at the Azteca as you can get in terms of. Uh, let altitude. me assure, let me assure you that while you may think that there are places that would have less Mexican fans, I've found I have I have officially come to the uh, terms with the fact that I am convinced that in 2022, and when the World Cup is in Qatar, which is basically as far from Mexico as it could possibly be, there will be a large contingent of Mexicans there. Yeah, and no doubt I've, it'll still I've, be a home game. I've no come to where that. They play. So uh, you know, in terms of Denver, like I, you really, I don't think you would have wanted to play Mexico at altitude. For obvious yeah. reasons, it's so. probably the worst case scenario for Canada. And you take what outside you can of get having from it. to play in Mexico. Yeah, agree. So, moving on to the other two teams because otherwise we'll be sitting here talking about Canada for the rest of eternity, right? And so, two clear favorites. Martinique's interesting, aren't they? Because Martinique, you want to talk about like a small island country? That is one of them. This is I like say that is one this of them. is very much a very small country. Now I see this Jean Sylvain Babin guy is in Guillon in Spain. That's uh, hey, that's not nothing. That's something they do have Jordi Delem uh, of Seattle Sounders fame. Uh, Ke- uh, oh, they have a guy named Kevin Fortune, a Fortune. Yeah, pronunciation is probably pretty far off, but we're not French, so we're not going to get too uh, far into that. Fortune, that is absolutely how you say that. Fortune. Fortune, Kevin. Kevin, okay, before Kevin. I, I said I wasn't going to do this, I told myself. Uh, so they have a couple people who play in Ligue 2 in France. Yeah. Uh, they have, a, you know, uh, Babin, Delem, a couple other guys. Uh, I fully expect Martinique to be one of the premier smash-and-grab teams of this tournament. It seems like they have enough experience in the back and midfield where they can say, come on, break us down, we're just going to foul you. And then see what you can do from there, and then ah, the try the Honduras strategy. Huff it long, and it'll probably be a. T- it won't be an easy game for Canada. Honestly, I don't think any of the games will be, because Canada hasn't played many opponents. I mean, Martinique's not great, but they're better than like Saint Kitts and Nevis. You know, yeah. this this isn't a completely useless <laughs> team. <And> anyway. <laughs> And I wasn't sure you wanted me to add anything. Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I do think that the Martinique is probably the better of the, certainly the better of the two island countries in this uh, group. They, they, they've qualified for a decent amount of gold cups. Uh, so definitely one to be afraid of, but one that should be handled. Uh, moving on, uh, Cuba. I think all we really have written for this is how many Cuban refugees this time to join Ozzy Alonso. I think CONCACAF should let them bring, like, 40 people. And in just case. When, when the inevitable happens. 
case a couple, in case twenty of them leave, they still have a full squad. Yeah, I mean, this this is ridiculous. It happens every single time. I, and it's I, look, I know it's no laughing matter. It's a very serious political situation going on in Cuba. All the, all that stuff aside, you, you got to admit it's absolutely hilarious that it happens every single time. How do they keep qualifying for the Gold Cup too? That's the other thing. How bad is the rest of the region that Cuba can constantly just shuffle in twenty players every gener every two years and still qualify? Uh, I do want to point out that this is world-renowned uh, Cuba, who finished in the quarterfinals in 1938. So uh, take that to the bank. Quarterfinals, okay. con- having conceded 12 goals and only scored five. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, so wow. <laughs> they've opened up their borders, and yet they only have like five guys who play outside of the Cuban League. Uh, I guess most notably, Arachil Hernandez, who plays at Independiente in Panama. You know, they have a pair of guys who play in Guatemala. Listen, we don't watch the Guatemalan League day in and day out. There, I said it. Yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint anybody who thought that I did an in-depth film session on uh, Caribbean islands to prepare for this. No one does. Anybody that's on TV right now pretending that they did, they didn't. Like, come uh, on. Yeah, I mean, Cuba's. It's a, this is a baseball country. Uh, not to say that they're a pushover in soccer, but um, it's it's up for that between them and Martinique on who's going to bottom out the group. I feel like Cuba is going to be a team that tries to actually take the game to Martinique, uh, and that could be their downfall. Their starting goalkeeper is one of the other people who doesn't play in uh, Cuba, Sandy Sanchez, which sounds like a backyard soccer name. <laughs> plays in the Dominican Republic, another baseball country. So uh, that's Group A. Uh, moving on, interesting group. I think two strong teams, two pretty weak teams. That's kind of what they wanted to do for all of these groups, except for B. Well, kinda... yeah, the, you want to talk about, like, the group of death. Let's talk about the group of life here. <laughs> My Costa goodness. Rica, Haiti, Nicaragua, Bermuda. Uh, I mean, like, it, right now Haiti's the pot two team. Shows Nicaragua, maybe in a past life, could have been there. But, I, I mean, is I Costa Rica that good to deserve this easy of a, of a pass? <laughs> Costa Rica is in the middle of their own, like, rebuild. You know, Gustavo Matosas has taken over there. Uh, they're, they didn't call Kaylor Navas, which, I look, I, this is probably the only thing worth talking about in this entire group, is the fact that Costa Rica actually has the... I don't know how else to put this. The stones to send Kaylor Navas home and say, nah, we don't really need you. You don't like, play first team soccer, my man. You're not good enough for us. I I mean, Andres Guar- Rafa Marquez was still in the Mexico squad this past summer. Right? Like, that's... And I was the first person to say, while I would rather maybe have a more useful player, that the reality is the 23rd best Mexican player isn't going to make enough of an impact for me to say that he should just go over Rafa Marquez, who can at least bring some kind of, you know, cohesion. He's a leader. He's a very, you know, very talented player in his day. Certainly didn't do anything at the World Cup, and I didn't expect him to. But, like, I, I, I don't know if I should be praising Costa Rica for, for being able to say, yeah, we're moving on. Or if I should just be dumbfounded that they actually told Kaylor Navas that, eh, you kind of lost your starting spot to Thibaut Courtois. We're not really sure you're Costa Rican material anymore. Yeah, I and the thing with Costa Rica is I think they had a golden generation of sorts. 
that's passing them by. Um, in the past two years, including the World Cup, they've won three games. None of them in the World Cup. Of course not. Against Peru, Chile, and Jamaica, they've lost 11 and drew one. So, reason to worry if you're a Costa Rica fan? You know the worst part about this is? What's the worst if part? four years ago, if you just took the exact team that Costa Rica had four years ago and brought them to this Gold Cup, I would sit here and tell you right now, Costa Rica could be one, could would absolutely be the favorite to win this tournament. With the with the way Mexico is right now, still, I know I was praising them in the in the preview for their group, but I, Mexico is still vulnerable because they have conceded many goals, and you know they're going to concede goals with their makeshift back line constantly getting injured. Yeah, and I mean... The U.S. is in shambles. Costa Rica could have been a favorite if this team had just been four years younger. But it's not. Yeah, they get at least one home game uh, in in Costa Rica. I mean, listen, they still have a pretty solid defense that's not that old. Uh, You know, they still have Kendall Waston. He's not even really a starter. Francisco Calvo. uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez. Uh, I would assume Waston's going to play, but they still have Oviedo, who plays at Sunderland. So, I mean, that's... Hey, oof. Sunderland till I die, right? Yeah, Ronald Matarita. You know, th- there's players there, but then you look f- anywhere else and you say, ooh, Brian Ruiz is still playing? How old is he? 33. Okay. I mean, he's been... It felt like he's been on a decline for a while. <laughs> by the way, by the way, Brian Ruiz... I know he's the captain, but Brian Ruiz is here. But but apparently, Kaylor Navas was... <laughs> Was too old to be here. Christian Bolaños, thirty-five, is here. He, it's so interesting. They have a thirty-seven-year-old Emmett on this team. Yeah, but you know Bolaños, he looks twenty-five. Oh my god, this is absurd. I I'm upset now. I for, I I thought someone told me Bolaños wasn't in the squad, and I just took their word for it because I hadn't looked. And so I'm looking at it now again, and I realize here's his name right here. He's back again. So I wonder how this midfield is going to operate. I mean, we talked about Martinique being smash and grab, but I mean, the 2014 Costa Rica is one of the best smash and grab teams of recent memory in the international game. Sit back, what, uh, eight people? Yeah, basically, the, either a 5-4-1 or a 4-5-1. Yeah, and just let the let their guys go forward. They still have Yoel Campbell, but you know what's happened to that guy? Huh. Well, he plays uh, in Mexico now. Yeah. I mean, maybe they have some new guys coming through. They have uh, a guy, Mayron George, who plays for Mitchelland. We'll see. Well, uh, I'd like to see Alan Cruz get another shot in that midfield. He'll probably be a difference maker. Yeah, he's he's pretty rapid. So it's you see shards of their past life, and some of them you say, yeah, it's still that Christian Gamboa is 29 and plays at Celtic. Yeah. This is still a defense that can, if it wants to, can probably hold its own. But we saw last World Cup. This is not the Costa Rica team from 2014. Not your dad's Costa Rica. Yeah, this is this is not your uh, oddly youthful stepdad's Costa Rica. This is uh, <laughs> a team that I think is back into being maybe third best in the Confederation if the U.S. could kind of figure things out. Other teams, Haiti. Uh, we made fun of them, but... They've got quite the eclectic group of players from all around the world. Uh, Derek Etienne, for those MLS fans out there, he's on the squad. Uh, they have some guys who play, you know, second, third division in France. It's not bad. And a decent amount of uh, 
you know, playing in America, El Paso, Locomotive, Fresno, New England Revolution, Zach Herivo, uh, for those who watched that dumpster fire. Uh, uh, both of them to us, both of them, they played three friendlies in preparation for this tournament. Mm. Interesting and that they were able to fit that in. It's a young team, so maybe they'll be, uh, I guess they could be one of the surprises. They do have a, a player who plays on Karabaj. Of course, you know, the Azerbaijani Giants. Oh, those guys that Chelsea absolutely destroyed. I remember that. Didn't they end up drawing Atletico and was the reason yes. Roma went through? Yes, and they the, did. Roma they, went to the semifinals. Yep. So, uh, again, we don't know a lot about this team. They got players from all over. However, uh, it's a young team. Uh, I count one, two players over 30. So yeah, That's pretty solid. Uh, that's what we got about Haiti. They are the pot two team, so I guess it's not too surprising that they're not horrible, uh, despite maybe what we would have thought coming into it. Uh, other teams, Nicaragua. Uh, you know, at one point, maybe they were something that we could have said, oh, yeah, this is like a team that plays soccer. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say. I'm so, I'm, so, I'm I'm looking at this list like trying to make a joke or like looking to see like is there someone here playing for some team you may not expect? I, no, there's just nothing here. I the Nicaraguan like I I don't want to call it a problem. I don't know anything about like what's going on there. That 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 this country that's like I this is basically what I said about Belize, but this is a bigger country, so. I'm not sure what what happened here that there's like that there's no talent coming through. Oh, there's oh here's one here's a good joke. Uh, Henry Maradiaga, 29 years old goalkeeper. I'm assuming probably not going to be the starting goalkeeper based on his two caps so far. But there is a there is a Juventus Managua in Nicaragua. Yeah, he's uh he'll be joined by teammate uh, Junior Artiaga, Henry Maradiaga. Similar names. And, of course, this uh, Luis Copete, uh, the veteran of the squad with 30 caps on always club always ready uh, in Bolivia. So, yeah, Nicaragua, just a country without the infrastructure, it seems, or the care to make a great team. But they did qualify for this Gold Cup. Uh, they qualified in 2017, lost all three games, qualified in 2009, lost all three games. So you can kind of see where this has gone with them in the past. Uh, Bermuda, the last team in the group, oh, and the, the bottom feeders, if Nicaragua wasn't that. Uh, for most groups, I would think Nicaragua. I mean, this is – Bermuda lost 3-1 to Aruba last year. <laughs> You'll remember Aruba is the team that was the last time Venezuela won 3 nothing on the road. So that gives you a little perspective on Bermuda. Bermuda. I mean, if you want to put it this way, they did beat Guyana one nothing, and lost to Cuba five nothing. So somewhere in there is Bermuda. Yeah, I they mean, still they have, have a some, Union Jack on their flag. They have some fun team names. Robin Hood FC <laughs> yes. uh, plays in their league. The PHC Zebras, Pem- Pembroke <sighs> Hamilton Club oh, Zebras, and there's one player, Carl Kalon Miners, who plays for the Soccer Management Institute in Italy page does not exist you cannot look it up well, in english maybe you should try it in i don't know what language they speak there maybe that'll have a wikipedia entry for it another language going to another group honduras jamaica el salvador curacao oh, uh, honduras the pot one team but apparently didn't think they should be hosting any games so jamaica kingston 
Lovely Kingston will be the, playing the host of the first round games at the Independence Park. Honduras kind of never really been anything better than the fourth best team in the Confederation, which, to be fair, isn't terrible. Uh, they've made it to three World was that yeah three World Cups, uh, and this is probably like you consider the, a potential golden generation for them. Uh uh, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you can consider the fact that, I mean, we take it for granted, right? The idea of qualifying for World Cups and constantly being, you know, involved in these Gold Cups of being, you know, U.S. and Mexico fans, you kind of take it for granted. So, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And plus, you know, there's a lot of good talent here. Like, we have players that have featured all around MLS, Romo Kyoto, Brian Acosta, uh, Maynard Figueroa, uh, Albert Ellis, Romo Kyoto. stud. Albert Ellis, Brian Acosta uh, on Did Kyoto get himself sent off in a friendly against Brazil? They lost like 7 nothing to Brazil. Was it Kyoto? Kyoto has fallen down my, you know, pecking order, I guess. He hasn't impressed me a lot recently. Uh, you know, they Ellis is the man. And yeah, I think Kyoto got sent off against Brazil. He's potentially going to see a transfer. This, I mean... Listen, I say this is like a like could be maybe a golden generation of sorts, but it's really Albert Elise. They have a couple other guys in MLS. Uh, this is a team that if you let them counter, Elise and Kyoto can kill you. Uh, but we'll see how they go as the you know the favorite in the group. We'll see if they can kind of hold that up. I disagree with them being favorites in the group, if only because Jamaica have proven themselves to be very right. good in these tournaments. In the past, and so I want to give them their due. Plus, they finally get the services of Leon Bailey, and uh, he has he had kind of a disappointing season. He's been overtaken at Bayer Leverkusen as sort of the the prize gem of their team by Kai Havertz. But Leon Bailey is the type of player that on his day can help win you a game, and you know he's that type of player. He can be your talisman. Not a lot of teams in Concacaf have that type of player. So Correct, when I yeah. look at when I look at Jamaica's squad and I see that it, it is a little bit on the older side in the sense that you know we remember the teams that this is the team that's been to two straight Conk, uh, Gold Cup finals by the way so some of those guys are a bit older now but to put it in perspective you add a Leon Bailey who's 21 years old you assume hungry to get you know to prove himself now for his official country I think he was I don't remember who he was holding out for uh, I, I think was it England. That he thought he might get called up, so he ne- he didn't uh, he didn't come up for Jamaica until now. Yeah, I think I think that's correct. And you know now he's here, and I mean Jamaica did lose. Um, oh, the center back on Leicester, Morgan Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Um, they replaced him with Ashton Morgan, though. I'm oh, just kidding. That's the wrong. That's Canada. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's some other guys. I was really impressed with Javon Watson a while back. He's 35 now. Won't play a big part. And this is listen. This is still a team that can crush you on a counterattack, and Leon Bailey only makes that more scary because he is, as you mentioned, that lone talent that you don't really see, and when you do, can be scary. Alfonso let's, Davies last time, for yeah. example, could kind of surprise some people. Leon Bailey. Let's not forget that they have a very, very real claim to having the best goalkeeper with Kaylor Navas not here. Andre Blake is one of the best goalies in the tournament. That never hurts. No, it doesn't. He did kind of, you know, had a, had a pretty big hand. Get it? Uh, and getting hey. them to the, to the last final before suffering that hand injury that took him out uh, when they lost. So he was huge. 
they have potentially the best left back in the tournament with Kamar Lawrence. Uh, I, I would actually say it's pretty pretty deserved best left back. So, Jamaica, I agree. I think Jamaica deserves to be the quote-unquote favorite just because of their history in the last two Gold Cups. Um, but, you know, they've, they're never exactly a powerhouse. They're never going to be a team that tries to possess, no matter who they play against. I mean, Honduras will come out and they'll possess. They'll play on the ball, even though they have these two Ferraris up top that they can just kick it long to. Uh, Call them Ferraris. Yeah, Kyoto. <laughs> I like no, no. I'm not disagreeing. That's not me. Like I'm, I like it. I, I just wanted to make sure I heard that right. All well, right. so I was thinking back. One of the greatest analogies I've ever heard was the, a, a Montenegro team from you know whatever six years ago was described as like a bus, like a beaten up Volkswagen Beetle in the back and two Lamborghinis up top because they had people who were like playing semi pro in defense and had Stefan Jovetic and uh, another striker. Uh, up top, who were like you know potential world class talent at the time. Anyway, that's kind of how I see Honduras and a little bit with uh, that talent up top. Moving on, El Salvador. <laughs> yeah, you like that? No, no, no. I, I was laughing at something we're gonna get to uh, next. Okay, okay. sorry, so, so I was getting ahead up. of myself, <laughs> distracting me. Uh, El Salvador, historically not a terrible footballing nation. Doesn't really give us a whole lot to know outside of their kind of MLS guys. Darwin Seren on Houston, uh, who's a pretty decent center mid, and Andres Flores, who's been in, you know a good workhorse for Portland. Outside of that, they're all guys pretty much in league uh, and kind of scattered around. Uh, Nelson Bonilla being the I guess the outlier playing at Bangkok United. <laughs> but uh, this isn't like a this is a team that's got some history. So they're playing in the Thai league. Hey, watch out. It's a small nation. El Salvador is really small. Right. But, you know, they like their soccer there. Uh, and so they're a pot three team. Proud country, certainly. Proud country. And then the last one, Curacao. Can, can we talk about the fact that Curacao has um, – the first guy on this roster, because he's number one uh, on the roster, is, is a guy who plays at PSV. Eloy Room, which is a great name in and of itself. Can we talk we about love the, a good name here? I, on the I, we do love show. a good name, but like, how does Curacao? Is it because do you, Curacao just like their league is so bad that no one would ever play there? Like, potentially, there's not even space for a room for uh, for room. For, I got Eloy, <laughs> got Eloy Room in my. There's not really room for a league there. I see what you did there. Okay, but yeah. here's the thing. Go down to the rest of the goalkeepers' names: Zeus de la Paz. <laughs> Like the god of thunder, Zeus, god of lightning, De La Paz. (laughs) uh, Jarzinho, Pieter, playing in – what country is that? Uh, Playing – that's the Curacao flag. There's three players who play in Curacao. Jimbertson Vapor. Jimbertson. He's the one who plays on Rooms Catholique Sport Vereninging. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, they have a guy who plays in Cardiff. That's impressive. Leonardo Bacuna, Ooh. which Bacuna, by the way, means uh, bandage. So Le- Leandro Bacuna uh, is brother to the other Bacuna uh, who transferred to, uh, what was it? Um, Huddersfield partway through the year. Uh, and Leandro Bacuna is of Aston Villa fame back in the day. Uh, have a guy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Not finishing. Got- I don't know if you have anything else on that. I do remember him uh, playing on when Villa got relegated. He is probably, well, not probably, he is far and away going to be the best player on this team. 
Uh, and if you are watching this team play and you aren't just like us and childish and making fun of names, uh, him and Cuco Martina, Cuco. the other one, yes. Cuco Martina of uh, Everton fame. <laughs> he was oh, on loan right no. now to Feyenoord. Two to look out for. Not a completely useless team given those two and they, given the... They got just, a guy, Engelstadt, too, in uh, Germany. Charlson Benshop. Yeah. All right. Elson Hui on Edo Den Haag. Uh, the I'm, Netherlands. I mean, listen, there's, there's some... Is, if you didn't know anything about this team, which we don't know a lot, you know, I do know Bakuna, I know Martina, you would say, okay, there's there's something to work with here. And again, if you're not immature like us and just like to point out the names, Eloy Room... And you're looking for, you don't want to, you know, you're not saying, oh, oh look, Jurek Carolina's playing. That sounds, I don't know. I'm not going to get Jurek uh, Carolina. We need to get to this last group, and I, I, I want to propose, we've been doing all the groups, like, from top to bottom. I want to start this one from bottom to top, because I know the U.S. is going to, they're going to make me mad, and we're going to talk for Great a while. Idea. So let's just, let's get the rest of these people out of the way. We're gonna, let's start with Guyana. Guyana, uh, we have Warren Creval on the Philadelphia Union. That's it. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're the most capped player has 20 caps, so. Yeah, Guyana. Uh, Playing in the you, Trinidad League, wow. We, we can also give you maybe a little bit of um, geography lesson. It's one of the three countries on the northeast part of the South American continent that South America does not consider in South America. So, by the way, this does officially make Guyana, since they're the only South American team in the Gold Cup, the best South American team in North America, which is no small prize, I'd like to point out. It's a very competitive category with those three countries. Last time it was French Guiana. This time it's Guiana. Pra- right. You know, I would love to see the Guiana Derby. Different yeah. spellings, of course, but yeah. uh, similar pronunciations. Right. Um, there's always one, and they're always... I mean, let's be honest. They are sim- more similar to a CONCACAF in terms of footballing ability. Uh, but moving on, Trinidad, there's actually a couple Powerhouse of Trinidad. There. Powerhouse Trinidad. Uh, Kevin Molino, obviously from Minnesota United, is a quality player. Uh, and Jovin Jones returned to Seattle recently. Uh, I think it's a pretty strong wing back. Outside of that, uh, they have a couple guys playing in USL. Um, Alvin Jones, you might remember, as the guy who scored the screamer. Well, <laughs> we'll call it a screamer. Absolute firecracker. Uh, and then, of course, Curtis Gonzalez will be tough to beat as the leader coming in from the defense force. Good luck breaking that down. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they have a guy named Hackshaw. I love Nevi- Neville Hackshaw. I love that. Uh, yeah, so we always like a good name here. Uh, obviously, Curacao probably has the best. But Trinidad and Tobago, uh, some interesting team names as well. Cannot forget about them if you're the U.S. Uh, I would assume there's going to be a lot of pain Unleashed from U.S. players onto Trinidadians. Now, see, if you want to talk about celebrations being okay at 13 <laughs> nothing, the U.S. and Trinidad game. Oh, boy. The U.S. would dance on Trinidad's corpse, given what happened. A little morbid. A little morbid. Well, I actually told that to someone today because uh, she and I were having a conversation about it. And, uh, like, afterwards, because she was like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like, And I'm like, I need to be careful. She's going to dance on my grave the first chance she gets. It seems though she's not even going to let the body be cold. Can't, can't even let it rest. Uh, no. So on to uh, the team that did qualify for the World Cup last year. Panama, in the last two years, has not won a single game. Very impressive for a team that qualified for the World Cup. In 10 games, 
they've drawn three against South Korea, Brazil, and the Basque country. So, you know, three powerhouses. Uh, one, not even a country. I don't know why the Basque country considers themselves a country. It's, oh, boy. Uh, closer Here we to go. a state. We just lost our entire viewership. We lost the, the entire viewership of Spain. Kepa Aretha Balaga will never listen to this podcast again. Kepa hates that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Coach they, Kepa to you. <laughs> they do challenge themselves, Venezuela, Japan, Uruguay, Colombia, uh, but not a lot of wins, and this is an aging team like uh, – our friends over in Costa Rica, Roman Torres, 33, everyone will know. Uh, in the back line, you know, this is going to be a team that tries to be strong defensively. Michael Murillo with the Red Bulls. Uh, so there's some recognizable names for those out there. Anibal Godoy, I think, is a pretty quality player in the Earthquakes. Uh, and, you know, they got players all over. Omar Brownie, which I th- can't believe that's the pronunciation of his name. Cannot believe it. Uh, for the Montreal Impact, another one to look out for in the counterattack. Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Panama, kind of one of those teams that's always just kind of around. They also all, but by the way, going through a bit of a transition themselves with their manager situation, it's just such a, such a weird time in CONCACAF. So, you know, don't be surprised if they give a hard time to the U.S. and to these other teams because they do have you know, fairly solid foundations still. They have, of course, super striker Roman Torres. you got to watch out for him and his darting runs through the middle of the field. Runs that essentially knock the U.S. out of World Cup qualification. Uh, Gabriel Torres, pretty big name for them up top. And then another one to look out for, Romish Ive. He was the one for Independiente who tore up uh, the CONCACAF Champions League along with Omar Brownie. Tore up the CONCACAF. So, I'm sorry. Oh, like, man. The, the historic CONCACAF Champions League, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. look out because U.S. and Canadian Canada team, uh, Toronto, both struggled to deal with the powerhouse that is Romish Ive and Omar Brownie. And could be seen again. Let's do it. Almost up to the hour point. Let's talk about the United States. Can we talk about the United States for a second? Please. How did this happen? How 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 did the US lose three nothing to Venezuela? I couldn't believe it. I was I was watching it and just in absolute disbelief. And it takes a lot to shock me nowadays, I might add. Because you know, you think you've seen seen it all. In your old age. Yeah, right. My twenty three years of living. I have seen a lot of just nonsensical things that I thought I'd seen enough that I was like, you know, if the U.S. loses to Venezuela, would it really shock me? No, it probably wouldn't. But to get absolutely housed in Cincinnati, where there was an actual crowd, by the way, so it was a relatively hostile environment for Venezuela. They went in. They didn't just just, didn't just beat the U.S. Absolutely housed the U.S. They mopped the floor. With, they they took off the. They traded shirts before the game even started. Tore them up into little rags, put them on a stick, and then mopped the floor with those rags of red U.S. Absolutely shocking. While the while the naked U.S. players watched, uh, watched on. And I know it didn't it have like Tyler Adams or Christian Pulisic, but I well the, now the U.S. isn't even going to have Tyler Adams because he's pulled out for injury. So it, you know Christian Pulisic, it didn't have. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. It didn't have Michael Bradley. Uh, yeah. I it didn't have John Brooks. Imagine that. But I don't I don't want to talk about the roster. At least not at this particular second. I want no, to talk about. I think it's been beaten to death. I think God. we can get past the roster. Well, I, I want to say one thing about the roster. Josh well, Sargent. Okay, we'll talk a little bit about the roster. No, no, just Josh Sargent. For <laughs> I can't. I don't. He didn't have to be in the Gold Cup roster. That's fine. If they didn't think he was ready, then you know whatever. But the fact that he doesn't end up on the U twenty roster. Is 
it's such a horrible mismanagement of him. So I, you know, that's that's a whole other discussion entirely. But I, I just want to throw that out there. As for what I was gonna say, I was very high on the idea of the U.S. hiring Burhalter for one reason. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't crazy about the hire in general, but there was one reason that I thought that I was very much in on the idea, and it was because Greg Burhalter has a system. And Greg Burhalter is a system manager. A system manager has really never been the U.S. manager. So I thought to myself, would it be different if the U.S. got a guy who said, we're going to do this my way. We're going to possess the ball. We're going to play it out from the back. We're tired of playing these CONCACAF countries just aimlessly you know, taking possession or having to go down to San Pedro Sula and struggle to do anything. Like, we want to possess the ball, we want to dominate teams, and we want to be successful at doing so. That game against Venezuela has convinced me 100%, and I hate to say it, we don't have the players to do that. And I thought we were ready, I was wrong. The I US, can't believe that you needed convincing for that. I, I did this need is convincing. Not Spain. Or Germany when Guardiola was coached. This is not England now that Guardiola's coach is there. I know this is, like, not good comparison. But the U.S. should never plan to go into a major international competition, the World Cup or the Confederations Cup. is the only two I think they can, is really worthwhile talking about. Well, Confederations about, Cup with the idea is gone of now, to so not even that. Okay, it's gone. The World Cup with the idea of saying, oh, we're going to go possess Belgium in the round of 16. <laughs> no, 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 gonna, no. And Chris Wondolowski is going to be the guy who sets it home for us. <laughs> no, hang on, hang on. That's not what I meant, though. That was I, mean. I take that back. No, well, no, I didn't yeah, mean well, that. Well, well, I'm sorry, guys. So, so, okay. No, you're absolutely right. The U.S. would never, should never, well, the U.S. should not at this particular juncture aspire to try and do that. Okay, but here's the thing. Okay, it's fine. We want to do that. But you kind of set aside two points in that little uh, rant of doing this and doing it well well guess what the u.s is not as good as mexico it is not as good as uh, you know if we're throwing venezuela in there nine out of ten south american countries bolivia is probably the only one we can say confidently that we're better than now so that kind of puts us in a position where Emmett, i gotta tell you the truth man if the u.s and bolivia were playing in a game tomorrow for a spot in the world cup I don't know that I would I would I would be nervous out of my mind. Oh yeah, I think with good reason. But I mean, <laughs> that maybe is a team you say you want to possess. But there's got to be flexibility. There's got to be. Uh, I don't know. Look back at Bob Bradley. I feel like people hated Bob Bradley for the way the team played. It was either really boring in possession, <laughs> bunker ball, as they called it. When, the t- when we did have the ball and the other team sat in, it was like, okay, we're going to get the ball up the wing. The ball's never going to go in the middle of the field. And we're going to try to loft the ball in the box and get one of our big defensive mids to get in the box and join the attack. That's why Michael Bradley and Marisa do got in the end of crosses. And uh, that's fine, okay? Would have that thought the golden days, the international huh? level. Well, oh, the good old days of 2010. 2014 almost worked kind of a hybrid of that. I can, I'm okay with us saying, oh, we're going to try to possess. But if we're going to do that, you're gonna, we're going to have to live with uh, getting drubbed by Venezuela. I, I mean, I have never been when, when – this. I hate the word sorry ball. Everyone knows how much I love Chelsea, but how much I can't stand when things like sorry ball start existing. So I'm always been, I've always been like someone who just doesn't – who just never been comfortable with a team that likes to play out of the back because it's always – it happens – when it, I know it doesn't happen often, but when you watch every game, it feels like it happens more often than it does, right? 
Yeah. When you're playing the ball out of the back and you do something stupid, someone misplaces, it's, all it takes is one pass, Emmett. And that's the biggest problem is that all it takes is one bad pass. And between Zach Steffen, who – I, you know what? He needs more time clearly to develop because he's not ready to play the ball out of the back confidently. It's very clear to me. He's done it with the Columbus crew. It's The cracks have shown where he's he, not com- he's not confident and comfortable passing the ball out of the back. We so got. I can, tr- I can chalk this up to, you know, a kid. He's not a kid, but you know, he's, he's 25, 24. 24. He's nervous. He's moving to England. Uh, he's, well, he's moving been, to Germany, apparently. Okay, he's going to Germany, but he's moving abroad. He's he is getting loaned out immediately to Germany, uh, where he didn't ha- he hated it before, where he almost quit soccer because of his time in Germany, how much he hated it there. Right. He's saying, I'm gonna give this a second go. I can chalk that up to him, you know, maybe just being a little unsettled at the time. In the Gold Cup, I, I'm not going to continue chalking it up to that. This It's a one-time thing. I have seen him pass out of the back. I think he has the ability. He has the confidence. You know, we'll, we'll turn that around flip that. He has the confidence and a little bit of the ability. This guy isn't Ederson, who's the best at a passing in the back, bar none. I don't think anyone comes close. Uh, and that's what City wants. Can he get there? Sure. But he'll never be that level. Um, As to passing out of the back, when you think about it, I always enjoy it. I think it's fun. But what, most goals are scored within three passes, within two passes? Yeah, I would probably say so. Perfect time to give up a counterattack. Why pass 30 times when you can just steal it up high up the field and pass it twice? I I just think that passing the ball around for me is like it's Chelsea did it a lot this season where there were entire games Chelsea dominated possession like 70-30 and created like one good chance the whole game honestly I gotta tell you the truth I've always been a fan of winning I gotta be honest you know I don't people are always like I want to win and I want to win beautifully I don't care how it happens as long as it long as it works out but my problem with like possessing the ball is when it becomes empty possession and boy does the U.S. do a lot of that right yeah. now even in the games that they won early on in the uh, as I like to call it the triple G era they were there were spots in those games where it was like oh they're just passing the ball around in circles just why like is this helping right. at all like no it's not it's not helping and I like I said I like the idea of going to Honduras and being able to pass the ball around and not have to be like so bunkered in and worried about Honduras taking the game to you but it's just it's frustrating because the U.S. talent it's just not there, and I worry that Burhalter is someone that would rather fail his way than adapt. We have seen him try, and he did throw out that kind of different formation against Jamaica and against Venezuela, kind of because you know he still didn't have 100% of his squad with him, so we saw him experiment a little bit. I don't mind experimenting. I certainly don't mind him trying a different formation to see if, okay, you know, when we play these lowly CONCACAF teams, it's time to possess the ball. We're going to play a 4-3-3 or, you know, with our inverted fullback. But when it's time to get serious and it's time to play uh, Mexico in the Gold Cup final, we're going to throw out the the, the five-man back line and we're not going to put that inverted fullback in. We're going to do things a little differently, a little more pragmatically. I can live with that, but... I haven't seen signs of that. I've just kind of seen a guy trying to find the different ways to make his way successful. I'll end it with this. When it comes to priorities, you mentioned winning. Is it yes. winning now or winning in the future at the World Cup? I don't no. think anyone expects the U.S. to win the World Cup, but wouldn't you rather 
And this kind of comes down to would you rather win like a, an FA Cup or try to be more competitive in the Champions League? Right. Would you rather win the Gold Cup this year? It's trophy, it's silverware. It's not bad silverware by any means. It's not a friendly. Or would you rather spend this time, maybe risk making mistakes, building up players, confidence, the team, so that when the World Cup comes around, the team is more set up to succeed in that tournament? Uh, I think that I would rather succeed at the World Cup, obviously. But my concern is that in the past I have trusted projects like that. I... When Bruce Arena uh, was the manager, and he took you know, he took a B team, and they won the Gold Cup, right? I, I was, I was, I was led to believe by you know his actions and his words that this Gold Cup would be used as a launching platform for some people to get their names in the ring to be part of the last rounds of World Cup qualifying. And what happened in those last rounds of World Cup qualifying? Omar Gonzalez was still out there. And it made, and he didn't play in the Gold Cup, so it's like to me, it's like I, I've, I've trusted projects before, and I've been burnt. I, I just, I, I understand where you're coming from. That I, I would love to invest in the system, and you know, let's, let's see where it goes. Right? What's the worst that could happen? No, the problem is the worst that could happen is they don't qualify for the World Cup again. And I know that that seems absurd. And it seemed out of the absurd. Gold Cup early. Yeah, I mean, look, it seemed absurd four years ago. It's, a, I, it's it's risky to build it up, but I think when you look back at teams, look at the Netherlands, right? They scrapped and redid their team. Italy scrapped and redid it. Much more competitive now. Yeah, they look great now. Yeah, they you know they went through a period, albeit a shorter period than the U.S. will probably have to go through of that rebuild. Um, and they come out better for it. You learn things. Germany went through one in the early 2000s. They, they they had a disgraceful showing at the European Championships, and they got together and they changed to the way everything was done, and it worked out well. But I do think that there's a certain... I mean, you look at other teams that don't necessarily just scrap everything. Um, eventually you have to, right, because players get old. Uh, but, you know, all the good teams now, how many of them have a Michael Bradley on their team? Who played in the 2010 World Cup? Ugh. Not that many. <laughs> so, the U.S. are an interesting situation. I think that it's important to kind of build the project. I also think that I, I you know, I want to live in the present. I want to see success now. So, it's not an easy thing to build that up. Anyway, that is our preview before we go too long. Uh <laughs> I guess we were going to go into some other things, but I guess we should wrap it up there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you want to name one, uh, your favorite for, to win the uh, Copa America? Might as well. Talk a lot uh, about South America a, today. Uh, a favorite and maybe a team you want to see. I think the favorite's okay. got to be Mexico. Copa uh, America. No. Oh, what are you Copa, talking about? Uh, I said Copa America. If you want to do Gold Cup, I think Mexico will win the tournament. And I do I think, think Mexico wins. And I think Canada might be a little... Uh, I think Canada's my dark horse, a team that I'm going to be watching out for. I do want to point out, I find the structure frustrating that groups A and B play each other, you know, the first, first, second in the quarterfinals. And in the semifinals, you play it again. So if you're if you're Canada and you finish second, and then you play Costa Rica and beat them, then you play Mexico in the next round. You've already played. It's well, to hey. make the final more interesting. I get that. 
Yeah, you don't want Mexico in the U.S. anywhere other than the final, yeah. Uh, but uh, frustrating. The Copa America, uh, Brazil look to be a real favorite in that. Argentina just lineup does not look the same as it has in the past. Uh, Brazil, uh, outside of that, I'm, I'm going to be looking for Venezuela. I have to beat the U.S. They're, <laughs> they're, they're a world power now. All right. Well, that's a, that's a fair way to look at it. Uh, I think that my money would favor it's probably Brazil down south. Watch out for Uruguay. I think if there's ever going to be a time where they could take it, because I, you know this Brazil team is the favorite, but only because they've got such a massive amount of talent compared to everyone oh, else. That's all they have. Well, I, it's well a they don't crazy have name. Talented hey, squad. Hey, hey, we've seen that they've had a ta- crazy talented individuals. We've yet to see a crazy talented team. Correct. That is Correct. a very big difference in international tournaments. So just keep that in mind. I think Uruguay is a better team. In that sense, and I, I think that if there's if there's ever going to be a Uruguay Copa America win, it's going to have to be this one. So I'm going to look out for them, uh, and also I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think Messi's Argentina is going to do a little better than people might think. I know a lot of doubt surrounding them right now, but I have there's, a weird feeling this one might two. work out. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm not going out on a limb entirely by saying well, that the team with the you know one of the greatest players in the history of the game. We is should point do well. out that. Uh, I do want to point out that this is, seems like Argentina and Uruguay's kind of last hurrah for some of these guys. Godin's aging, Messi is aging, uh, and they are countries that haven't exactly had that resurgence of youth. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uruguay is a good shout. I do like uh, you know Betancourt is a young midfielder who's impressive. Lucas Torreira. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Copa America, one of the more fun competitions this summer. Yeah. Another um, fun one, of course. Be watching the U.S. women playing in the World Cup. Hopefully winning by more <laughs> 13 nothing games. Uh, against Sunday, against Chile, I honestly expect another drubbing. 15, my prediction. I'll put money on it. No way. Uh, tweet me at emacconnell 92 if you want to take that bet. And if you're listening into... You changed your uh, Twitter handle? Yeah, I changed... Well, you know what? An underscore at the beginning and the end, I thought the symmetry would look nice. It didn't. <laughs> it didn't look nice. It looked real bad. So... <laughs> my dark horse is Jamaica in the Gold Cup, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Uh, that's a good one. Certainly a good one. I think they've, uh, like Costa Rica in the past, their luck has run up. So that's an uh, hour and a quarter into this episode. And yeah, so you'll, we'll, you'll have to stay tuned for the next podcast when we do the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations preview. Right. AFCON previews coming up next. Stay tuned for that next week. Until next time, <laughs> this is all the time we have on the American Soccer Show. Wait a minute. We can't cover anything non-America on this show. Uh, But until then, check out some of our past episodes if you have the heart. Until next time, I'm Emmett McConnell alongside recurring guest Eric Alcantor signing off.